Thanks for joining us at Faith Bible Chapel. We hope the message you're about to hear encourages your day and brings you closer to Jesus. If you'd like to join us for service, find a small group, or simply find out more about the church, stop by our website at www.faith.church. This series that we've stepped into is a very, very crucial series. It's one that is, uh, that, that's really challenging on many different areas of our lives because many of us struggle with relationships. And we've talked already about how we connect with people on the outside level, how we connected people in marriage and in, in family and in, uh, with your children and friendships. But there are things that actually also go on on the inside of us that if we don't get some of, these th- some of these things right, they're going to affect how we interact and connect with everybody else around us. And so today I'm gonna be talking about something that's very, very, very important in all of our lives. Matter of fact, all of us in this room are dealing with it even today. And so the basis of this message actually comes from Proverbs 29, verse 25. And this is what the scripture says, the fear of man lays a snare. But whoever trusts in the Lord is safe. See, relationships create the content of our lives. That's why we, that's why we, we live and we breathe because we, God's created us to be in relationships. What can make us happy? What can make us sad? What can tick you off and give you the best day of your life, make you excited, make you hopeful and depressed all at the same time as this thing called relationships. And we all know that. And this series so far, we've, we've talked about all these, all these different things, but today I want to talk to you about something that, uh, that really is an addiction in all of our lives. All of us at some point will have this addiction. Most of us have it and we don't even know it. Some have it more than others, depending on your upbringing, depending on maybe your experience in church, depending on your experience with other people, you struggle with this addiction. And so today I want to talk to you about breaking free from approval addiction. Many of us are addicted to man's approval, the fear of man. And so this addiction in all of our lives is based on a lie, and this is the lie. The lie says this, I must have the approval of others before I can approve of myself. And so we spend our whole lives trying to get you to give me a thumbs up until you give me an attaboy and a pat on the back. And we spend our whole lives trying, okay, wait, now everyone, everyone approves of me. Now I can approve of myself. And this is something that actually goes deep, deep in all of our lives. And the reality is this, is that receiving the approval of man or living in the fear of man. I gotta, I'm fearing that, that they're the most important thing in my life. I gotta make sure that they're happy and they are pleased. It's like a drug that once you get it, you can chase that high for your whole life. Instead of living for God, you will end up living for the approval of people. All of us, especially today and our social media presence and everything that that we're about, it's, it's you, po- you post something on social media and you go back, not because you want to see your picture again, because you want to know how many likes you got on that picture. You want to know how many people really are watching your page. You want to know if you're important enough for people to come by and say, I like it. When you get the like, it's like, oh, it releases, it releases these endorphins and you feel like, oh, yeah, this is good. This is good. Then you go back again and the more likes you get, the more better you feel about yourself. But really, there's an artist who, who, who has betrayed some of these images of our current society. And I want you to see this one. Look at this. Look at 
And I think he captured it accurately, actually. It's the approval addiction. How can I get the likes? And so it doesn't have to be Facebook thumbs up. It could be just people's thumbs up. It could just be my daddy's thumbs up, my mama's, my, my aunt, my uncle, my brother's, my, my uh, thumbs up, thumbs up. And, okay, good. And we snort it and we get a high and we live our whole lives trying to get more of these so we can snort up again, get high and feel good about ourselves. And so I believe that God wants to break us free from the approval addiction this morning. You guys with me on this? And, the, and there are effects, actually, before I get into these effects, I want to give you two books that if you're interested in taking a step further of, of, of breaking free this addiction, two books. One is a book by Timothy Keller. It's called The Freedom of Self-Forgetfulness. Let me tell you, get the book, read it. It's small, it's tiny, it'll rock your world. Two, there's a second book by Robert McGee, and this is a, tr- a book that's called Search for Significance. And a lot of the principles, a lot of these thoughts I've pulled out of these and some others, but these are very, very powerful books. And if you read them, you'll, it, it'll, it'll be great in your life. But there are effects. Before I get to the solution of breaking the approval addiction, I'm going to talk about the effects of living your life and making decisions to please man and not God. The first effect, the negative effect on your life on living your life to please man and not God is this. Number one, it turns me into a hypocrite. Don't raise your hand, but how many here know any hypocrites? I said, don't raise your hand and don't point any fingers. If you live for the approval of man, you will turn into a hypocrite. And this is our whole life is about how we come across to people. To be a hypocrite, the actual name and the actual word of hypocrite comes from a stage actor who puts a mask on and betrays that I'm somebody else that I'm really not. And so if you're always living for the approval of man, you're always looking to say, I'm around this group of people, I'm gonna put this mask on. I'm around, I'm around my old buddies from high school, I'm gonna put this mask on, mask on. I'm around my small group folks, I'm gonna wear this mask. I'm around church folks, I'm around my family. And we got all these masks and we're like, you know, it's like a Rolodex of masks and we pull them out and we put them on depending on who we're going to be around. And then when hypocrisy invades our life, we start wearing masks and we start trying to adapt to all the different environments. And I can't really let them see really who I am. We try to figure out what mask you're going to wear in front of this particular person and, and which context I'm going to wear. Here, here's the reality. It is completely and totally and utterly exhausting. And this is not what God has for you, my friends. God has far too much for your lives to waste your life trying to please everybody. We all wear masks, we all fake it, if we can just be honest this morning. We all don't reveal our true selves. We just love to make ourselves actually look better than what we really are. Actually, some of those masks, that's what we do. And what happens is when you live your life always trying to to cover up, what happens is, is you miss out on what God has for you of being healed, being set free, because you're trying to put on a facade and much of that facade is that, is that we're all good. Or the other facade for maybe religious people is that you're better than everybody else and you're experts on everything. You ever ran into experts who have no experience doing whatever they're experts at? You find them a lot in churches. I promise you that. I'll show you some emails of those people. <laughs> experts with zero experience. And, that, and that's what they do. I know everything. 
And they wear masks wherever they go. And, and I, I'm, I'm holy and I'm righteous and I'm perfect and I'm, I'm wonderful. And Jesus knew this, this, was, this is a tendency of humanity. It's to always put the mask on in front of people so you always look good. Matter of fact, Luke 16, 15 says this. You like to appear righteous in public. And he's talking to hypocrites, the Pharisees. But God knows your heart. God knows your heart. And if we're going to break free from the approval addiction of what people think and how can I always make myself look, self look better than what I really am, we've got to focus on this. God, you know my heart anyway, so I'm going to stop faking it to get people's approval. God wants us to be the same on the inside as we are on the outside. He wants us to live honest lives. He doesn't want church to be a place where we can, we can come and, and we hide and, hey, sweetheart, you got your mask on? Yep, I got my mask on. Okay, let's, let's go to church. No, church should be a place where you come and you encounter a living God and you recognize his grace and his mercy wants to meet you. He wants to bring you a step further, but you will never take the step unless you take off your mask. And the fear of disapproval can, can cause all kinds of things in our lives. Actually, what it causes us to do as well is that we say things that are socially acceptable instead of things that are actually true. We say things that are politically correct rather than the truth, rather than what the word of God says. We're so concerned about what I say, I gotta be careful because why? Because your opinion of me might change and I might lose standing with you and your opinion of me if I, if I make a decision that I'm gonna stand for the truth of God's word versus your opinion of, of my opinion of the truth of God's word. And this is what the fear of man looks like. The fear of man causes us to talk about ourselves sometimes more than anything else. We find ways to weave in maybe our accomplishments and how much we know and how long we've been doing something. And, and, and have you ever had a conversation with people like that? They just want to tell you how wonderful they are. And, and you, oh, excuse me, you picked it here, you dropped the name. Let me give that back to you. And you, they just talk about themselves. And they're, and they're trying to, to tell the world, I'm good. You can love me. You can approve of me. I'm smart. I'm, I'm spiritual. I got it all together. And they're commending themselves. But actually the Bible warns against that as well. 2 Corinthians 18, 10, 18 says this, For it is not the one who commends himself or herself who is approved, but the one whom the Lord commends that's what matters. You guys with me this morning? And this is how we become honest. We stop focusing on how I can position myself in front of people. And I start thinking about God, how do you want me to position myself in front of people? We start living for him. We start looking to him. And that's when we actually can put our bag o mask away and we can be ourselves and live free from this addiction. Number two, when we live our lives with the approval of man and not God, that I will live out, I will not live out God's purpose for my life. It causes me to live in this world of always trying to make everyone else like me. It causes me to miss God's purpose for my life. You cannot be worried about 
what everyone else is thinking or saying about you. And here's the reality. You cannot be focused. None of us can. We cannot be focused on what others think of me and what God thinks of me at the same time. Because if we live our lives to please God and please God alone, then everything else will fall into place. Everything else, our relationships will actually be harmonious. I'll actually treat people the way that God wants me to treat them because I'm living my life for God and for God alone. The kindness of my life will flow from me because I'm focused on God and God alone. This is the truth. And if we live for him, everything else falls into place. If you're always worried, if I'm always worried about what, what, uh, what I'm, I'm going to try to be because my parents want me to be something or whatever your husband wants you to be or your wife wants you to be or your friends want you to be or your boyfriend wants you to be or your girlfriend wants you to be or what your boss wants you to be, you're always going to try to meet their expectations. If you're always trying to fulfill their purpose for your life, you're going to miss God's purpose for your life. And you will die on the inside. The enemy has come to steal, kill, and destroy God's purpose for your life. And this is one of the main ways that he does it. Yes, I'll tell you this. God has an amazing plan for your life. And I'm so pumped to see many of you walking that out. God has an amazing plan for your life. But this is something you need to to know. But today, everyone else around you has what they think is an amazing, wonderful plan for your life as well. And if you live to fulfill their plan, you will not fulfill God's plan for your life. 1 Thessalonians 2.4 says this, our purpose is to please God, not people. Now, I want us to read this this morning. Instead of saying our, I want you to say my, okay? Here we go. My purpose is to please God, not people. Say that one more time because it felt good. Here we go. My purpose is to please God, not people. That's the purpose of your life. It's to please God, not people. I didn't say that. God said that. That's the purpose for your life. It's to please God. Our purpose is to please God, not people. And he's the one that examines the motives of our hearts. So if we don't deal with this issue, we're going to miss God's purpose for our life. Another effect, negative effect of living for the approval of man and not God is number three. It causes me to compromise my values. It causes me, if I'm living for your approval, it will cause me to compromise my values. Which another word for that is it causes me to sin. It causes me to sin. And God knows that we have this, it's in all of us. It's part of our fallen nature. We have this desire to get your approval and your approval and your approval. He knows that about us. In fact, look at this verse in Exodus 23, 2. This is what he says. I mean, this is back like 3,000 years ago. He says this to the children of Israel. You must not follow the crowd in doing wrong. It's something that's in us. And we have to make a decision. We're going to rise above that. When you look in scripture time and time again, you see this happening in people. Great men, great women of God. This has happened in their lives over and over and over again. 
Peter stood around a fire when Jesus was being judged when he was in, in court. He stood around a fire and, and these people said, hey, aren't you the one that was with Jesus? And his little girl says, it was you. And he says, no, it wasn't. wasn't. I don't know him. And the scripture says he cursed at her and he ran away. Why? Because the pressure was on. The peer pressure was there. Pilate knew Jesus was innocent. He actually said, I find nothing wrong with this man, nothing. But Pilate gave in and he knew that he shouldn't, but he did it because he wanted to please people. He didn't want to upset anybody. The prophet Elijah, who was like the prophet of prophets, did crazy miracles, ran for his life when a woman put pressure on him. Her name was Jezebel and he ended up depressed and by a creek and uh, and. Birds had to feed him. I mean, this dude was, he was a wreck. Why? Because the pressure of people. The world will constantly, the world we live in, I'm telling you, will constantly put pressure on you to compromise your values. Will put pressure on you to sin. Put pressure on you to think, you know, the word of God really isn't that true. You know what? That really isn't what that scripture means. And you'll begin to give up. God's purpose and his mission for your life. This is a big deal. Proverbs actually gives us an antidote. If people are putting pressure on you, if people are trying to get you to to compromise, this is what Proverbs says. It says, my child, if sinners entice you, entice you to sin, if if they're putting pressure on you to compromise, listen, turn your back on them. Get away from them. Stand strong. And this is for you parents. You know, I I've, was in youth ministry for many years. I have a great passion for teenagers and, and kids who are in high school. And I, listen, please guard who your children and your teenagers hang out with. Please, please. I know you like to think that Johnny is 16 and his, he has good character and he'll, he's going to influence those bad people or, or Susan, she'll stand up strong and she'll lead them to Christ and, and all this influence. Listen, I know that sounds good, but the reality is it doesn't happen. Yeah, it does. Not, not, not my Susan. I'm telling you. I've sat down with families and parents and teenagers time and time and time again. And when they began to be around, the majority of the influence was, was sinners who were trying to get them to do what, what the world was doing. They ended up cracking and falling. Listen, my, our, our 16-year-olds can't even choose a healthy, balanced meal. What makes you think they're going to stand up to pressure? <laughs> and this is, this is out of love because I love you. I want your kids to succeed. Listen. Please, let Scripture shape your belief about your children. I know they have great character because you raised them well. But the Scripture says this. Do not be deceived. Bad company corrupts good character. Don't be deceived. Don't be deceived. In other words, don't think that bad company will not corrupt good character. That means if your good character child is around bad company, that bad company will corrupt their good character. That means, do I need to explain this again? Do you understand what this means? Parents, I want our kids to succeed. We get one chance. Let's do it right. Amen? 
When you read these verses all through the Bible, you, you look at lives of people in Scripture and, and you see their experiences. And then as I, as I was processing this, I started asking myself the question, what areas of my life am I, am I giving in to the expectations of other people that's about other people, not about what God wants me to do? What areas of my life? What areas am I doing or what, what am I doing that I know is wrong, but I'm doing it in order to win the approval or avoid the rejection of other people? These are real questions that you and I are called to answer. Another negative effect of living, to please man and not God, is number four. It causes me not to share my faith. It will be impossible for you to be a good witness for Jesus Christ. Impossible. You won't share your faith if you're living your life to please man and not God. It muzzles you. It muzzles your ability to share the simple truths of Jesus, what he's done in my life, how he's transformed my family, how he changed my life, how he forgives me every day, how he meets me, how, how my church family is, is alive and well, and they, they, they speak into my life. And this is what that fear does. We won't tell anybody. In John chapter 9, Jesus comes on the scene. He heals a man. He, heals, he was blind, and he healed the, the blind man, and the Pharisees find out about it. This, this is exactly what happens in this story, too. The, the Pharisees go to the parents of the blind man who have been blind his whole life. He's healed now. He can see. The Pharisees go to the blind man's parents, and they say, hey, listen, you tell me about this Jesus. Tell me, did, did he heal your son? It, can he see now? Is this really true? What do you think about him? And the parents say this, uh, I don't know, to, to, uh, ask, ask her son. They were afraid. Scripture tells us that they didn't say anything because they were afraid of the religious leaders and what they would do to them. Their witness, they were muzzled to say, Jesus healed my son. They couldn't say it. We unfortunately find this all through the New Testament. This isn't something new, just new today. This is in our nature as people. Those who would not speak of Jesus, John chapter 7 says this, but no one would say anything publicly about him. Why? For the fear of the leaders, because of the fear of man. Nobody said anything about Jesus. They saw him, they believed in him, but they didn't say anything about him because they were afraid of the leaders. And I think it's very important that we understand today, it's, it's never true love to not share the gospel of Jesus Christ with someone who is lost and going to hell. Don't tell me, oh, I just love them. I just love them. Have you shared Jesus with them? No. I just want to challenge us why. The question is why wouldn't we share Jesus? Well, because what if they don't like me? That's called the fear of man. And yes, we use wisdom, we use timing, we use tact. We, we're, not, we're not jerks about all of this. And, and this, this is the, the, the disclaimer on all of this, people. That's right, I don't care what anybody thinks about me. But hang on a second. If you're pleasing the Lord, it means you also have the fruit of the Spirit in your life. So to say, listen, I don't care what anybody thinks about me. And you're like, and you're thinking, yep, people reject me all the time because I speak my mind. And, and, and I said, well, no, actually, 
The reason why people reject you is because you're a jerk. That's why. (laughs) If Jesus is number one in your life, your life is going to have the kindness, the gentleness, and the boldness of Jesus Christ. But the greatest act of love that we could ever share in the lives of those who are around us is to share our love of Jesus Christ, that our lives will reflect Jesus and land in their hearts, and those who are around us can reach out to us. We use tact, we use wisdom. It doesn't mean you come into relationships out of the gate. Do you know Jesus? No, you don't need to do that. But your motive is to reflect Jesus in everything that you do. Again, 2,000 years ago, this whole idea was still rampant. It, it was still happening then. People were afraid. John 12, 42 through 43 says this. Um, at the same time, many among the leaders believed in him. So they believed in Jesus. The leaders, they believed he's the Messiah. But because of the Pharisees, they would not openly acknowledge their faith for what? For fear that they would be put out of the synagogue. They'd lose their fellowship. They'd lose their friends. They, they would lose the system that, that they've been connected with. For they loved, listen to this, they loved human praise more than the praise from God. Wow. Something we've all been guilty at in our lives. I've been guilty of this. You love the acceptance of man. And you realize I'm putting too much stock in that and not enough stock in what does God think about me. Yes, we know this, that in most situations, silence is the best, the, the best approach. Silence is the best, or the silence is golden, I guess. But when, when that's, that's true, sometimes. But the reality is, the desire to fit in keeps most of us quiet. It's not because we're doing it, because we're trying to be tactful. It's because we're fearing man's opinion. So we need some truths to set us free from this addiction. And we find those in Scripture. And the Bible says this in John 8, 32, you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. And I believe that the Lord wants to deliver us from the addiction of what man thinks. Amen? Number one truth that will set us free is, remember this, Jesus never had everyone's approval, neither will you. Jesus never had anyone's, not ever, never had everyone's approval, neither will you. And, and, and actually, as, as you start to think, yes, but you know, I, I, maybe I could get everyone's approval and still be, so, listen, Jesus said it this way. I didn't say it. Jesus said, Luke 6, 26, he says, woe to you when everyone speaks well of you. Woe. Hey. Woe. Well, you want to know what woe means? It means bad news. Not good. Not a good thing. If everybody likes you, it means, here's what it means. You stand for nothing. It means you're probably riding the fence. You're not standing for much. You're wishy-washy. If if everybody likes you, you you don't don't have any grit in your belly. You You don't have a backbone. There's no conviction. This is what I know in my own life. 
The moment that you take a stand, the moment that you make a decision to follow God, the moment that you, that you decide, you know what, we're going to stand for what's right, is the moment that you're going to get rejected. Again, we are Christians. We're called to be in the world and not of the world. We're not called to, to just have our own little bubble and never have any, you know, just live in this little kumbaya. No, no, we're called to make a difference in the broken and lost world. But we need to know something, that when we begin to stand for truth, even when we use tact, even when we use wisdom, even when we use discernment, you will get rejected. People will start throwing things at you, throwing rocks at you. And Jesus says this, be careful when all men speak well of you. And, here, and here's the reality. Maybe this will set you free because all of us, we, we, listen, you can have a room full of 99 people who like you. One person doesn't like you. Who are you thinking about? Why, why don't they like me? What did I do to them? How come they don't like me? And there's 99 people who are like, no, look, you're good. You're, you're all good. Yeah, but what about the one? What about the one? It consumes you. And this is what you need to know, that there will only be one time in your life that all people will speak well of you, and that will be at your funeral. <laughs> Just so you know. And here's, here's the bummer. You can't even hear them. And so we just, just got to be okay with that. Be okay that not everybody's going to like you. Be okay with it. Number two, the truth that will set us free from the approval addiction is the approval high is a false sense of happiness. You think it's happiness, it is false. <coughs> Excuse me. The truth is you can't please everybody. And please hear me today. You really don't have to please everybody. God doesn't expect you to please everybody. The approval high you feel when somebody approves of you, you think that's it, but it's not, it's false. It's a false sense. The truth is no matter what you do, somebody's going to dis disagree with you. I, I promise you that's true. No matter what decision that you make, listen, I tell you, if, if, you, if, you want to, um, if you want half the people in your life to not like you, step into a role of leadership. <laughs> you haven't even said anything. Like, I don't like him. I don't like him. <laughs> no matter what you do, somebody's going to disagree with you. So do not let that control your happiness. Do not let it control your happiness. I don't need and you don't need the approval of others to be happy. What you need is to learn this attitude of Jesus that no matter what, if you've put Jesus first in your life, if you're pursuing to please him, Jesus, this is what Jesus said out of John 5, 41. He says this, your approval means nothing to me. There's a, there's a, a quote, and I, I'll probably get it wrong, but it, it'll be the same. The quote is this, if you live by the praises of man, you will die by their rejection. Jesus says, listen, man's approval doesn't mean anything. The bigger God is in your life, the lesser people's opinions will affect your life.
The bigger you make people in your life, the smaller God is in your life. If God is bigger in your life, when Jesus is number one, he sets you free from this addiction to having everyone's approval because, you, because you're, just, you're just focused on him. He's the one at the center of your life. You're, you're looking to Jesus and to Jesus alone. Jesus is the only reason I live my life. And therefore, as I'm looking to Jesus, my relationships begin to be functioning better because I'm serving my wife as Christ loved the church and my wife is serving me and there's a great harmony in the home, not because we're at the, we're at the center of each other's lives. No, because Jesus is at the center. There's unity in our home. There's unity in our church. Why? Because we fixed our eyes on Jesus because you're the only opinion that matters to me and everything else falls into place. And you can be set free from all of this. And when you're set free from the expectations of others, you can be who your creator has made you to be. He formed you. He knit you together. He put his fingerprint on you. There's something original and unique and powerful about how God made you to be. And so you cannot live your life trying to be like somebody else because God didn't create you to be like somebody else. He created you to be conformed into the image of his son, Jesus Christ. Right in your image to be conformed into his image. That's what God calls us to be. Listen, if any of us are looking to any human in our lives to meet any of our needs, we're going to be disappointed because humans were never, ever supposed to be what met our needs because their, their love will run out, their love will fall short, they will do something that is going to tick you off and make you angry and, and you're going to realize you're not perfect and they're going to be like, you're not perfect. Yeah, hello. We're not perfect. That's why we need Jesus. He's perfect. His love will be perfect. He'll never leave me or forsake me. He'll never cheat on me. He'll never speak ill of me. He'll, he'll never talk behind my back. He'll never say things that purposely poke me or hurt me. He will love me and care for me. And that's why his opinion is the only one that matters to me. And if you both have that in a family, in a marriage, and as you raise a child in a church, if you have that, everything else falls into place. And many of you have been hurt. You have been abandoned by people. But you need to know this. We serve a gracious, powerful, loving God that no matter how far, no matter how bad humans are to you, we find David writes in 20, Psalm 27, he says this, even if my father and mother abandon me, the Lord, you will hold me close. You will take care of me. You will love me. You will hold me because you're the only one that matters. Number three, a truth that helps us break the approval addiction from others is to know this. I really only need one person's approval, and that is my Father God, my Creator's approval. That's all I need. My Savior, that's all I need. I only have to please the Lord, the one who made me, the one who has purpose for me, the one who, get, who commissioned my life. And if we can live there, that just makes life really simple. And if you can live it, that means the expectations you put on other people are not to fit your expectations. Your expectation will be like, hey, listen, here's my expectation of you, that you would pursue and be who God wants you to be. Imagine that. Imagine that in a home. Imagine that in a church. Instead of everyone else trying to conform everybody else into someone else's or their own image, they start encouraging people, hey, listen, no, 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 no. You be who Jesus is calling you to be. You fulfill his plan for your life. You live the way that he's called you to live. And then together, we're going to have this amazing, amazing relationship. We only really need one person's approval. 
Jesus said it like this in John 5.30. He said this, for I seek not to please myself. Here's Jesus, the son of God, fully man and fully God. He said this, I, listen, I'm not even seeking, I, I'm not even pleasing myself, but I am going to please the one who sent me, his father. He said, I'm going to live for, for God and for God alone. And this is what we need to know, that when you live, when someone else's approval becomes more important than God's approval, what happens is, is it's this word, it's called idolatry. So when, when something else becomes number one in your life, so when man's approval of you becomes over God's approval of you, the scripture says that's idolatry. But that's what happens when you're addicted to the approval of man. It's idolatry, and, and all of a sudden we begin to shape idols out of people, idols out of their opinion, idols out of their expectations. And so instead of asking God, what would you like, we, we, run, we run through the, the things in our own mind. What would my mom want me to do? What would my dad want me to do? What would my uncle want me to do? What would my, and you run, actually, stop, time out. God, what do you want me to do? What does your word say that I should do? How, what, what should I do with my finances, God? I'm not talking about my cranky, you know, uncle so-and-so who says that, you know, tithing is not for Christians today. Don't give your tithe to the church. How about this? Read the Bible and just do what it says. Or you have someone else in your life who, who, who talks to you about sexuality and about actually the scripture doesn't really clearly say that homosexuality is wrong. Actually, what it really means is this. And actually, that was a time and back in Romans and, and you're like, oh, really? Okay. Actually... Shut up. What does the Bible say? What does the Bible say? And hold strong to that. You just hold strong to it. Because all you should care about, God, what do you think of me? And I promise you, you're not going to be perfect. I promise you, you're going to fall. I promise you, you're going to fail. But if your heart motive is, God, I want to please you, he will honor you. And he will meet you right where you are today. God wants to break us free from the approval addiction. Paul says this out of Galatians 1.10, says this. Am I now trying to win the approval of human beings or of God? Or am I trying to please people? If I were still trying to please people, I would not be a servant of Christ. If I, if I would not be a servant, I would not be a servant of Christ. So in other words, if I base my decisions off of what man wants me to do, I'm no longer a servant of Christ. I'm a servant of man's opinions. So Paul even had to, he had to encourage himself, encourage his own heart and say, wait a minute, I'm going to make decisions based on what God's asking me to do. And if I do that, then I'm actually a servant of Jesus Christ. Remember, we only have one person to please. And the last truth that's going to set us free is this. I am to be conformed into the image of Jesus, not to anyone else. I'm to be conformed to the image of Jesus, not anyone else. God created you to be you, not somebody else. 
And as you take you and you line you up with the word of God and the, the word of God helps to find who you are, then you can begin to walk it out. You can begin to, to live the life that God's called you to be. You can be kind and gentle and loving to the lost, to the broken, to the hurting, those who are confused. And you're not a voice of judgment to them. You're a voice of love, your voice of concern, your voice of hope to them because you are determined to be conformed to the image of God's son, Jesus Christ, who was, who was that voice to everybody on the face of the planet? He rescued the broken. He rescued the lost. He rescued those who were confused about who they are and who God made them. He rescued them and he gave them a purpose. And he said, listen, if you put me number one, you will actually manifest and live out why I put you on this earth. I've heard this, I'm sure you've heard this before. There's a quote that says this, every person is born an original, but most people die a copy. Listen, when you get to heaven, God's not gonna say, hey, listen, how popular were you? He's not gonna say, did you make everybody happy? God's not gonna say, did you make sure you didn't ruffle any feathers? He's not gonna say that. Did you become what others wanted you to be? Did you make decisions about what everybody else wanted you to do? He's going to ask you this. Did you become who I made you to be? Did you live the life that I died and sent my son to die for so that you could live that life? Did you live that life? Or did you live a life that your daddy wanted, that your mom wanted? Or were you living your life to try to prove somebody wrong that said something to you 20 years ago that, that just, you think, well, I'm just going to live my life. I'm going to prove them wrong. You're still living for somebody else. And I think what God's inviting us today is that we would put him first. We would actually reflect him in our lives. That we would be open to, to love We'd be open to, to bring people into our lives because we're actually not scared about the religious people. You can't love the hurting and the broken. Yes, I can. Jesus did. You, 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 you can't be friends with someone who's a homosexual. You can't be friends with a prostitute. You can't be friends with, a, with someone who gets drunk. You can't be friends with a heroin addict. What are you doing? I'm loving in the way that I saw Jesus love. That's what we're doing. My goal in life and all of your goals, and this, we are to be conformed into the image of God's son, Jesus. Nobody else, no religious leader, no denominational leadership. We are to be conformed into the image of Jesus Christ. God knew you. He called you. He saved you. That's why it says in Romans chapter 8, it says this. That's what he says. For God knew his people in advance, and he chose them to become like his son. That's who we are to be. We are to be conformed into the image of his son, Jesus Christ. Not into what dad wants, not into what mom wants. They might be great things. But God's just knocking on our doors today to say, can you remove dad from number one in your life and put me in number one? Can you remove mom? Can you remove the pressures? Can you remove, can, can I just, can I be number one? 
so that I can lead you and I can guide you and I can, I can shape you and I can conform you. And I promise you, if God's number one in your life, if you're, you're pursuing to grow with other believers in small groups and in church together, if you're, if you're opening your heart to experience the presence of God, you will fulfill God's plan and God's purpose for your life. And we all will take a step forward and we'll be in unity and I'll be concerned about, are you fulfilling God's purpose? Are you being conformed into Christ's image? And I won't be concerned about if you're conforming into my image, what I want. Let's just make a commitment as a church that Jesus will be the image that we're going after. God will be who we're trying to please with our community, Faith Bible Chapel. Not man, not some thought, not a, th- not a certain theology. We will put Jesus numero uno, and he will tell us what to do. Amen? Amen. Amen. We hope you enjoyed the message. If you'd like to watch a service live online, you can join us every Sunday at 9 and 1045 a.m. at live.faith.church. For everything else, check our website at www.faith.church.